0: What is up, everybody? Joe Sib here with you, Rad Parenting. We're had, back. We are back. Anea Bogue, Joe Sib. She's the expert. I'm not. But we both have coffee. <laughs> uh oh. Emma- a lot. I know. God, just what I need more coffee. Oh, God. I live on coffee. Is that
1: bad? You know, I don't even know what to say about your energy. I don't know that you need any coffee.
0: <laughs> My wife used to hide coffee from me. <laughs> Like, I've never, I've never done any drugs, but that must be what That's it's it. like That's when your you're like, where, where are all my drugs that I had hidden? I hid Way them from you. cocaine. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, we are set up for a great show, though, today. Um, I wanted to focus again on your book since we started doing the show. How
1: kind of you, Joe. Well,
0: and I'm not doing that because we're going to give some away at the end of the show, but, um, and because everyone needs to have this book. But as you and I become more friendly doing this show, I actually had to read it. And recently, I was out on the road doing a bunch of stand-up shows. I was in Denver. I was out in Chicago. And then I went to Florida. And every time I got on a plane, I would take this book out, and I would put it in front of me, nine ways we're screwing up our girls and how we can stop. And immediately when I would put it down, the person sitting next to me would go, wow, what's that all about? And then I would end up literally going, well, you know what? Here you can read it because I'll get another copy later on, and I felt I felt cool because I was turning people onto the book. Well done! And you're like, I love my (laughs) partner. He gives away my book to everybody. (laughs) I actually sent it to a buddy of mine uh, in Austin, and um, he he hit me back.
1: Use a little of that in Texas, you know.
0: He's actually not from there, so he's Mm. he's spreading the word down there for us. Want to thank everyone too for all the emails. If you want to hit us up, it's uh, radparenting at gmail. That's what you got to do. And you can uh, any suggestions, comments, um, no concerns because there shouldn't be any concern. We're just two parents <laughs> that have kids, and we're in here uh, each and every week uh, trying to tackle as many topics as we can. This but, week,
1: but but what if they have concerns like in their day to day parenting experience that they want us to address? That would be awesome. I would love that.
0: I would love that. And you know what? Then we could dedicate maybe a part of the show mm-hmm. to people's questions, questions. and concerns. Because then that way, we wouldn't just be coming in here and only doing what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, this is your guys' show as much as it's ours. If, you have, if something's going on at home and a question, um, like I said, I, I, I can, I'm probably going to have the same question as you. And then we can ask Anea that. And if Anea can't get the answer, yep. she'll go out and find someone that can.
1: Yes, I will.
0: That's what we're going to do. Awesome. All right. I got my glasses today. Do you like my new glasses?
1: I really, really like your new glasses. I don't think you can see me from here. No, I can't.
0: I'm bummed because (laughs) here's the deal. I I I need them for reading now. Yep. And I just want to be completely needing them for everything. Like I don't like the on and off. I just want to
1: progressives.
0: I tried the progressives. Felt like I was drunk all the time. Uh oh. Yeah, it felt like I was flipping forward. Didn't dig it. (laughs) Not a good look. It wasn't. No, and it's just it was just it's too much. (laughs) All right. uh, Nine ways. We're Screwing Up Our Girls and How We Can Stop It is the book, Anea Bogue. Um, It's a guide to helping girls reach their highest potential. Uh, The chapter that I wanted to talk to you about, because it just kind of hit home this weekend, being at home uh, in our own house. I read this chapter, hit you up about it, modeling inequality in our relationships. Now, when I first read it, I was like, oh, cool. Modeling equality. Yeah, we do that at home. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Too much coffee, you read that too fast, modeling inequality in our relationships.
1: Which is one of the ways we're screwing up our girls. There
0: you go. Now, I'm going to read a couple things to you, and then I want you to dive into this. Okay. Okay. Basically... What we're talking about here is how our girls, our boys are going to treat their future relationships, boyfriends or girlfriends, all start at home. Correct? Absolutely. Uh, Got it. One of the things you said that I absolutely loved, it's like a quote, like I almost want to get it. It's like, it would be a great tattoo. I don't know. I don't know if people would trip on it. We, the parents, are on stage and our kids are in the front row. So basically you're saying the modeling, the behavior that we have at home. It's like we're on stage and they're our audience. Totally. I yes. love that analogy. Love analogies. First thing I want to hit everyone with, because I know some of the people right now are like, okay, hey, we, our family, we're modeling equality. You know, uh, dad's this guy and mom's this guy. Check this out. This is how important this is. These statistics kick me in the nuts. Seriously. All right. Check it out. One in three adolescent girls that begin dating experience violence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep.
1: That mean I mean just think about that. So if 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 your if your daughter has like 10 friends, at least 3 of them are going to experience dating violence according to those stats.
0: Okay. Now right now the reason I'm doing these statistics first is then we're going to cuz we're leading into why the modeling of equality between mom and so dad important. is so important. The stakes so, are high. Yeah. And we'll go back to the statistics cuz they they were just they were eye opening. Like I'll
1: be impressed if you can keep saying statistics. It's statistics. Clearly. Nice, well done. Seventy-two percent of eighth grade and ninth grade
0: girls are dating. Yep, and boys dating. Wow, seventy-two percent. I'm in that percentage right there. I got a ninth grade. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, this was the one that really freaked me out. Um, being physically or sexually abused makes teen girls six times likely more to get pregnant or. Get an STD
1: and and to end up in future domestically violent relationships. So girls who, in their adolescent years, experience dating violence are more likely because that's their that becomes sort of their prototype relationship. You'd think it would be the opposite, but they actually start to go, "Oh, I guess this is what it's like," and so they end up like marrying somebody who's also violent with them, and it takes them well into their you know forties, if ever, to actually get out of un- really unhealthy relationships.
0: All right. So where we're going to start is this: is that What you talk about, the modeling at home with mom and dad—it all Mm -hmm. starts there, Mm -hmm. and it goes further than that. It goes into television. Mm -hmm. It goes into the way uh, women are portrayed in movies. We did an early episode on it where you know the daddy's little girl, damsel in distress, the whole that whole uh, message that's being pushed on young girls. Okay, Mm -hmm. so now what we're talking about is really the relationship between mom and dad. Because the whole chapter, you touch on so many different areas of... How it exists. Maybe people don't know it's even taking place in their own home. It's, it started to get me thinking about just my relationship with my wife. Like, right. hey, wait, do I always drive the car? And then I realized, no, I never do. Awesome. Okay, I'm not that guy <laughs> because I'm a terrible driver and she doesn't want to have the car crash. But, I don't know. That's
1: such a great example to start with because, you know, I wrote this book because I don't think that our problem is so much in the obvious. I mean, there's some really obvious examples too that I think people should be a little more concerned about. Like, we're 80th in the world um, for uh, percentages of women in national government. 80th, like behind Afghanistan and Cuba. I mean, for some people, that should be really like, oh, that's not really good. Um, but it's these subtle things like, is dad always in the driver's seat?
0: I want to talk about those subtleties because one of the first things that you talked about was just, uh, you know, when a man and woman get married mm-hmm. in our country and you know, in other countries, yep. it's just a given like, you're going to give up your last name, the woman, and mm-hmm. you're going to take on my last name. Yep. which Sibiondo, That's I don't wish that on anybody. That's just, that's just too long. It's <laughs> too many letters, <laughs> right? I mean, I feel bad. Uh-huh. But, but that right there hit me over the head in the sense that where else are two people coming together where the woman right there is told, you're no longer the name that you were given. You're yeah. going to be my name. So yep. I want to talk on the set of these.
1: Let's do it. And and so and it's interesting because that is always uh, a sore spot. It's when I when I did the media tour for this book when it came out in Canada, every single radio show, you know, news program, everything that I did, that was their first question. Like to the point, I was like, okay, let me guess. You want to know about this whole taking the name thing? Here's the deal. When I was writing this book, I had my, my assistant was my guinea pig, and I'd have her like go home to her boyfriend and and try different things on him. So one night, her her assignment was: I want you to go home and just say, look, you know, I know we're getting serious. We've been together for a while. If we get married, I, I think I'd kind of like to keep my name. How do you feel about that? You know what he did? Would not even have the conversation. No. I'm not talking about this. Okay. Really? When she so
0: it hit him, up, him that hard. That hard.
1: Just like nope. Okay. Then. Follow-up, like, let's try this again, because, you know, like, what about if our, you know, we have kids, and I'd like them to, you know, at least maybe we could hyphenate, whatever. And when they had a more in-depth conversation, basically, he said, well, you'd be asking me to, like, give up my identity if my kids aren't going to have – and she's like, okay, but so why is it okay – that you're asking me to give up my identity. I mean, Facebook right now is one of the only places in our modern society that's supposed to value women that allows women to really keep their last name because you know what? If they didn't keep it somewhere in their Facebook name, we couldn't freaking find them. And that speaks volumes for a woman to essentially disappear unless she keeps her name because she takes on a completely different name. She takes on her husband's name.
0: I think though that what you realized when you went out there doing the book tour though, you must have had just people like, I can't believe she'd say that. I can't Absolutely. believe that. But you're not saying, Hey, you can do whatever you want, right? Like you're not you're not
1: saying don't do it. Don't do it. But no. what you're
0: just saying is, Hey man, check this out. This is something that just takes place. Right. Like you get married, I'm gonna, you know, have two kids, three kids with you, husband's gonna crawl all over you, you're gonna have kids, you're gonna start this whole life together, but check it out. You can't have your last name. That's right.
1: Right. And, and when you really stop and think about it, and if you have the conversation, and you do have men who rightfully so are like, but that's my identity. Exactly. And so why, what are we saying in society when we're clearly saying a, a woman should take a man's name when she gets married, the kids that she grows in her body should have... At least we need to have a conversation and come to some sort of agreement about what this is going to represent. Do we create a new name? Do I say, yeah, I'm going to take your name, but I want it to be really clear. Like, we need to find a way to, like, balance this out. You know, whatever. What
0: ended up happening with with the guinea pig? They're no longer together. Yeah. Wouldn't take the last name. Didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that didn't go over too well, right?
1: It, t- it, t- it took a minute. I don't think that was like, you know, it didn't happen the next week. But yet these, these are important conversations. And, you know, what I said on the media tour, and I'll say it again now, is empowerment is about having choices. You cannot ask a girl and ultimately a woman to just accept societal norms that ultimately say male everything is more important and, and not have a choice, If there's no, if there's no, if there isn't more than one option, there isn't a choice to be had. And if there's no choice, empowerment does not exist.
0: I totally agree with you on that. And I know that a lot of people are still probably reeling in from the last name thing. Because I, I, I do know that even when I read that, you know, Italian Catholic family, like our last name was a big deal. But I wasn't ever raised that like our name was so great that everyone needs to take mm-hmm. it on. And as, as you know, I've gone through life, I have plenty of friends that their wives have not taken on mm-hmm. uh, their last name. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have great marriages, you mm-hmm. know. I want to go back to what I really enjoyed in this chapter uh, is just what's going on at home. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're on stage for your kids, yep. right? The day to day. The day to day. And you talked a lot about there was almost one there's one page on there where it was it was kind of like do these things take place at your house? Like, does dad only take care of the finances? Right. Does, um, does mom ask dad when someone asks for her opinion? I don't know. Let's talk to your dad about I'm that. so
1: hey, impressed, where we go- Joe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Did you read it. You really absorbed it.
0: Yeah, I actually, Super impressed. I, I, that's the best thing about doing this show is that I, I've had, a, like my wife's even said to me, like, wow, I wish would have done this <laughs> show 10 years ago. But, but the thing I've learned from your book, it's never too late to nope, be a better dad. Late. Yep. The other thing was, uh, just even on little things that you say, they may feel like little things, but they're huge in the sense that, hey, where are we going to go on vacation? Mm-hmm. And then dad decides, right. we're all going to Hawaii. Right. Sure, everyone's stoked they get to go to Hawaii and hang out in Kauai. That's amazing. But dad decided that. Maybe right. mom wanted to do the European trip. Right. Talk all about that. Sure.
1: So. When you think about decision making, right? So um, the word authority, for example, has the word author in it. So in some way, authoring decisions that are that are taking place, how your world takes shape as a family, if if dad is always the go to, if if the default is always that dad is going to make the big decisions, the message, both subtly and kind of overtly, is that he's the one that ultimately has the most, uh, that just the, the best ability to, to be able to make those decisions, and mom, in some way, shape, or form, is not as well equipped to make decisions for the family. That sends a very strong message and and it's part of their programming and then that programming is what we pass on to our children and so on and so forth. And then we wonder why girls are walking around with self-esteem that's peaking at the age of nine and and making decisions according to not having a lot of self-value.
0: Do you think it also starts getting boys young boys into the mind frame well i guess i'm in charge cuz at home right. my dad is
1: that's right and and you know i think the default for a lot of people has been um oh well you know wow isn't that nice for boys but by the same token it's like partnership is where it's at so we're also doing our boys a disservice to tell them that like all the decisions rest on their shoulders that's just way too much for any human being to 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 shoulder on their on their own so i think that if we can truly model E- equality, which does not mean, you know, women do all the things that men do and men do all the things that women do. We all have, we both have our strengths, but that in terms of decision-making on the day-to-day, that there's a clear example that, you know, your dad has strengths and I have strengths, but we both make decisions because we both have valuable perspectives.
0: I love what you said right there. Your dad has strengths, mom has strengths. I really feel that when you're in a relationship, that the, if you, if both parties you know, I always say, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Then, then you survive so much better. The relationships survive so much better. There's things that my wife is great at, um, that I'm terrible at, right. and 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 I feel that it's the same. You know, with me. Uh one of the things though that I do feel, and I could imagine, like, and it's probably it might just be my age, the way I was raised. As a gentleman, by my mom and dad. Now, in my household, you know, I came from a family that was separated. So, like, my mom was very, very dominant. My dad, you know, like there wasn't one person was better than the other Mm -hmm. just because they're separated. So you saw them both shine. Yep. Um. But I was still raised. uh, Yeah, I was. Yeah. Everyone get divorced. No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we can show our kids we can do it. No. What? What? I kind of still had though with my grandparents and just the the family around me was that. Being a gentleman meant you were always helping the woman. You were always, you know, more than just opening a door. Mm-hmm. You were you were gonna be the guy in charge. How do you break that for like a guy that's listening? Like, I thought I was just doing what I was raised to do. Right. Because I could I- imagine someone hearing this right now and be going, wait a minute. You know, my wife and I are, you know, we're doing well. And sure, my kids see me handle all the finances, sure they see me handle where we're gonna go and and the money, what we spend, but that's my gig. I could see that that you know might be a t- tough to for someone right. to understand that it's allowing their kids not to, f- to maybe break that pattern.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I think that it's it, I think calling it out and like so even if um, I think that frequently in in couples one is stronger. Let's just use the finance because that's a big one, right? So most of the time in my experience, one of the two is stronger, more comfortable, more like yeah, I got this with the finances than the other, and so. It, it's important to make a point to your children and say, yeah, you know, dad handles the finances because he really digs doing that. And I handle, you know, making decisions about, you know, everything else, you know, in terms of the house maintenance or, or you know, education, or education okay. for example. Got right? it. Okay. That would be great because Got then it. you're saying two really important things. This is just about us sharing, you know, based on our strengths.
0: Got it. And what you're also saying is bring that, out on the stage for the audience that the kids to see.
1: Conscious parenting. Got it. We can't just phone it in. We can't just, we have to be aware that everything we do, just imagine being on stage and the front row is seeing everything, the subtleties. We pick our nose, the the front row is going to see it, right? When we shine, the front row is going to see it. So if we can really engage in conscious parenting, which is I think what this whole thing is about, then we can be more deliberate, we can be more deliberate. We can call it out. We can understand that both the things that we're doing that are less obvious and the things that are super obvious are both sending big messages.
0: Okay. Uh, now let's slide into second half of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're modeling these behaviors in front of your children. They're learning that mom's strong at this, dad's strong at this. Mm-hmm. There's an equality going on in the house. Great. Okay. Now your son or daughter, let's first start with your daughter because okay. you talked a lot about it. It's going to start dating men. Mm -hmm. this is where it is so important that these subtleties have been modeled at home from reading Mm -hmm. your chapter because it really, it really decides on what type of, I don't want to say what type of man your, your daughter's going to be attracted to because, you know, I know that it's supposedly going to be someone maybe similar to the, your, you know, your dad or the father. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing it, that's not even so much important as, the relationship the and dynamic the dynamic. The two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because, like, honestly, man, my daughter could bring home the guy covered in patchouli with the long hair and a Grateful Dead shirt on, and I'd have to be like, all right, cool. <laughs> but I'd have to, I would be way more concerned with after reading every year Your thing is I want to make sure that she's not in a relationship where this guy, you know, is a jerk and mm-hmm. abusive physically or verbally, right? Which is, you know, just as bad. So, yeah. okay, th- here's, so here's the that. deal.
1: And, and I've, I've probably said this before. We are. Drawn to our familiar. So what that means in the worst case scenario is is where you would think that a child that came from an abusive home would be like running for the hills to make sure that they went to the exact opposite situation. In fact, what we know is children who come from homes where there has been domestic violence actually seek out their familiar and end up in d- domestically violent relationships themselves. So, by Is that same- because
0: it's just a sub- subconsciously... Um- is it almost like a familiar?
1: There's a com- atmosphere. There's, there's comfort in familiarity, wow. right? And so, what we do is we seek what is familiar, therefore normal. And so, if we—that's the whole—the conscious parenting would be: what do we want our daughters normal or familiar to be? That would be a great question to ask yourself every day. You know, and again, we're going to make mistakes because we do—we're human. But w- when you make mistakes, you go and you you address it. is as, as, as obvious. As, as uh, overtly as you possibly can. So what's important is, especially with the dad, is that and I'm going to get to mom in a second but is that she sees first of all in her own interaction with dad which we've talked about before but also in the way that she sees dad interact with her mom that's what fo- that's what's forming her familiar so if she sees dad speaking to mom respectfully and vice versa she sees them making decisions together she sees kindness and calmness it's going to
0: be familiar to her. her it's going to be comforting
1: that's what she's going to seek out Got and it. so if some guy comes out of his face and and is is calling calls her a name or is like super aggressive or volatile or whatever she's going to be like uh uh-uh. uh, like that just does not feel good to me.
0: One of the things that you even talked about too was in the early years when you, before they're teenagers mm-hmm. that they're developing these relationships with just their friends, yep. neighborhood kids, and mm-hmm. let's say they're you know six, seven, even younger. Yeah, that you can already see if they're letting someone be bullying. That's them. right.
1: Yes, exactly. So even like watching your child and and what um, what they're seeking, what they seem to be comfortable with, do they year after year seem to gravitate toward kids that have really strong personalities that are like bossing them around or whatever? Or do they tend to find kids that they can sort of have a more egalitarian, for lack of a better word, but a more like... A, a, a friendship that represents partnership. Oh, well, you know, first we did what she wanted to do and then we did what I wanted to do. And really encouraging that even when you're seeing them play. And if you're seeing the opposite of that, looking at yourselves and your relationship, and maybe there's something in it that's been modeling that for them.
0: I got to go back to these statistics. Cause they're the thing They're They're the numbers that really just drove me in right now that how important this was, uh, one of the things you mentioned was that 72% of eighth grade and ninth graders are dating. You mean boys and girls, correct? Or yeah, is it just girl? Yeah,
1: but uh, honestly- Do you think um, it's more now? Girls, well, what I would say to that is what girls learn very early on from the name thing to, the, the, here's the statement I'm going to make. We tell girls by many of our marital traditions at the core that their value in the world- and and how they are defined is going to be defined by their male partners. So girls start to seek very early on to be liked by boys, to be in relationship with boys, long before they actually have the emotional maturity to be able to handle that. And so they start getting screwed up very early on. And boys who are ill-equipped and probably have seen, you know, again, poor modeling, Mm -hmm. modeling inequality are also out there doing their thing, you know, doing the same thing that they're seeing at home. And so the whole thing gets perpetuated to another generation.
0: And and you know what? And I'll say this word again, because you thought I wouldn't be able to pull it statistics. When I read these statistics, (laughs) I can tell you right now, as a dad, before I had a daughter, Mm -hmm. I'll be, you know, and I can be honest with you, like, uh, who cares? You know, Mm -hmm. whatever it's, you know, I got a son. This is the way it is. But once you have... A, a young girl become a part of your life. And it was, she was, you know, my daughter, um, I, it, these things started to become so important to me, but also I started noticing how much more this world is set up for dudes, yep. just in so many different ways. And I know right now there's, and, and I always say certain listeners, because I know that there has, to, I know that what we're talking about r- rubs people the wrong way. Am I am I weird in imagining no, that? No, no, no. But absolutely. why is that?
1: Well because cuz you know- cuz
0: what we're saying, I agree with like I agree with what you're saying, but there's this part that I can see someone Why do they want to like not? Why do they want to be? Because we're comfortable
1: with our familiar. This sort of Uh, our society in its current form feels familiar to us. And so when somebody is like, "Uh "Uh-uh, can't do it that way anymore," you're like, "What do you mean we can't do it that way anymore?" I don't honestly think I give men way more credit than that. They're just like you know power hungry, or they actually believe they always need to be in charge. Because I truly believe that a lot of men are carrying a bigger burden than they actually want to be. But if 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 not carrying that is going to cause somebody to question their manhood. They're just going to keep carrying it. That's not good for anyone. If we can find a way to restructure within our relationships how to create equality and work in partnership, we are going to change things for the next generation and and lessen the burden on men and allow women to come to their full potential, and it's going to just be a better, more balanced world.
0: So what you're saying is exactly what I kind of said at the beginning, almost some of the feelings I had. Hey, man, it was the way I, I was raised. I know that it might not be right but it's hard for me sometimes to switch gears and and be, you know, obviously with equality in my relationship with my wife, the modeling that I had with my own mother and father allowed that to be there. But I know if you didn't have that in your life, how that might be hard mm-hmm. to adjust to. And what you're saying, if I read it correctly, is, hey man, I understand that, but let's just try to work on
1: it. Well, yes. Is that and, right? Yeah, it is. And I think that sometimes as parents... Even the things we can't do for ourselves for whatever reason, we will dig deep to do them for our children, to do right by our children. And I'm saying this is a way that we can not only do right by our daughters, but do right by our sons, because I think we all want our daughters to be able to reach their highest potential. And if we keep perpetuating messages in our society and in our own own households that tell girls that they are somehow inferior, we are doing them a disservice.
0: Last thing I got to ask you, because... I know I've seen this a lot. What do you do? What how do you feel about the the young girl that's so bossy that she's just rolling over everybody and in, in in her sight. You know or the or the wife that just treats her husband with disrespect. Oh, he doesn't know anything. Right. Shut up. You know, well, I've let's, seen let's that. Let's look at the second example. Men that don't talk, you know, yeah. I, as a kid growing up, I remember I had aunts and uncles. Uncles that just didn't talk. talk. I was like, "Does he ever talk?" Yeah. You know, and it was like I you know, very
1: also unhealthy, period, would, yeah. period, unhealthy. And I think with the, with the first example, what I would say, because I think they are two different things is one, I think that we recognize like you probably were were more sensitive to a woman who was clearly dominant over her husband. Whereas if you would have seen a husband dominant over the wife, it probably wouldn't have come to your attention and you wouldn't have recognized because it's part of our, like, our social norm. You're right. Right? So, right? so the same thing with the bossy girl. When I you know, see people talking about bossy girls, I right away go, and this is, we've been talking about this more just in general, Facebook and whatever else, in the last year or so, but we need to be careful about telling girls they're bossy, because if boys were behaving exactly the same way, we'd be like, oh, there's a future leader. You know, he's got his act together. God, you're right. I am right. You are right. Not always right, but I'm right on that one. You're right.
0: You're totally right. So what you're saying is, when the yeah, I don't even have to say it. You're saying uh, it's a double standard. <laughs> Gosh, great show. Yeah, again. The book, Nine Ways We're Screwing Up Our Girls and How We Can Stop uh, Modeling Inequality in Our Relationships. And one of the things that you said was a conscious parent. I always like to come back to different terms. It's almost like a hashtag of the conversation. (laughs) Love that term that you said Mm today. Uh, Being a conscious parent we, we always say this too, and I know I'm guilty of it, phoning it in. Oh my God. Sometimes I have, I phone it in sometimes.
1: Sometimes we have
0: to. Sometimes I have to phone it in, and I, and I think my kids even know. My son, <laughs> when I'm phoning it in, you know what his term is? He goes, Dad, you're cooked. Really? You know, like, and what cooked means is tired. Yeah. You, you know, you, I just got out of traffic. I've been at work all day, bump, bump, bump. And yep. then I have to be in parent mode. Yeah. And I'll be, he'll be talking to me about something, and he goes, he goes Dad, you're cooked. And we always say cooked is like, you know, when you get like french fries and it's that very last burnt one that's just so <laughs> yeah. like, what happened to this? That's how I'm feeling. Yep.
1: And yes, I am. Yes, yes I, I am. am. Thanks, thanks for noticing. Yeah. Let's just, let's just get through the rest of this day. Tomorrow's a new day, because that is going to give him permission to be cooked sometimes too.
0: There you go. Aneabo, Joe Sib shows Rad Parenting. Thank you guys so much. Like we said at the beginning of the show, you can hit us up, uh, Rad Parenting at gmail.com uh, any uh, questions and like we said concerns ideas for the show anything that you want and I uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll see you all next week
1: Late, late